All of us have soul contracts. The question is whether they feel empowering or restricting. On this week's episode of Tune In with Marcy, I'm discussing the world of soul contracts and agreements. I explore what are soul contracts, why do we have them? Where are our soul contracts kept? What are the terms of our souls, contracts, and agreements, and can we change them? And one way you can start right now to explore your own soul contract or contracts. I'm Marcy Moberg, and this is Tune In with Marcy, a podcast devoted to exploring what it means to reconnect to our intuitive nature. Hello and welcome to Tune In with Marcy. I'm your host, intuitive coach and healer, Marcy Moberg, and I am delighted that you're here today, whether it's your first time or you're a longtime listener, welcome. Today we're talking about a really fun topic that is something that has come up over the years many times throughout my client work and also when I teach students about intuition we're talking all about soul contracts. So let's start by exploring what are soul contracts. I don't really remember the first time I heard of the concept of a soul contract, but I can say I, like probably many of you, have been exposed to the concept and concepts like it for most of my life. Whether it's the idea of karma and how that influences and directs our life or The idea of fate and destiny, many spiritual traditions have an idea that there is some predetermined information and direction in our life when we decide to incarnate, be born on earth as a human. And in many ways, I, another way that you could think about soul contracts is through the lens of astrological birth charts, which really I see as kind of like a soul contract. So I personally believe we all have soul contracts and agreements to some degree. Some are with ourselves and the greater universe, uh, consciousness, God, whatever, that higher power, the, the kind of greater collective energy that's keeping life moving is for you. So some of these agreements are with us and that greater sense of life about our path, our life lessons, or growth that we want to do in this lifetime. For example, maybe we are destined to learn how to relate to our personal power in a healthy way. This is a theme that comes up a lot in my client work. And we might be on uh, on a path to really learn how to relate to our personal power in a healthy way because maybe we abused it in a past life. Or maybe it's even been a situation where we have struggled with that issue for many lifetimes, kind of over and over and over again. In our past lives, there's a struggle with personal power, and we're reaching a karmic completion in this lifetime. And we're ready to finally learn this lesson that we've been trying to master uh, many lifetimes in the past. And, And this lifetime is about once and for all learning that lesson. Or this may relate to a personal calling that may or may not be connected to our vocation. That's another example. Some soul contracts are commitments that we really want to carry over from past lifetimes into this present lifetime. For example, maybe that's something like a vow of service. 
If that's something that you were in service many lifetimes in the past, this is something that's maybe a value to you. Your soul might have carried that over into this lifetime. Another one that I've seen uh, quite often is a vow of poverty from a previous monastic life. Now, it's really important to to talk about this specific uh, part of an agreement in a soul contract because this doesn't uh, necessarily or often, it doesn't necessarily mean, for example, that a vow of poverty, that that person is financially poor or financially struggling. Uh, They may have some financial struggles, but it doesn't mean that they necessarily are in poverty in this lifetime. That's important to say. What I'm saying here then is that like if someone came into poverty, it doesn't mean that they made a vow to be in that. Like that's not a equal sign situation. It's not, it's just not how it works. <laughs> we all know poverty is like super, super complex, multi-layered issue, both on the soul level and on a societal level with structural violence pieces. So there's just a lot there. I really want to be clear about that. Instead, the way that I've seen this show up more often is actually someone having a vow of poverty in their soul contract. And how it shows up in their life is that they are dedicated in this lifetime to really serving others. And they struggle. They struggle a lot to receive financial support for their service. It may even feel wrong to them, despite the fact that they know this is necessary as a way of survival in modern times and that It just happens to be that their service is their vocation, and that's how they keep a roof over their head. Um, I've seen this happen many times for my clients. This also is something that I had to wrestle with, and in my own work on my own soul contract, there was a vow of poverty from previous monastic lifetimes. So it was really really hard for me um, to wrestle with this. At the beginning when I started my business. And it's also one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I almost became a Buddhist nun, really. Then it was really through examining my soul contract that I discovered that that, this was kind of one of the pieces underpinning it. Uh, And some soul contracts, of course, I changed it. We're going to talk more about that a little bit later in the episode. But another piece that I, another way that I see soul contracts are connections to people or groups of people. For example, one of my past clients was struggling to let a healthy relationship of love into her life. Her partner really matched her needs, her desires, her wants, and overall it was an otherwise healthy relationship, but she really somehow just kept seeming to kind of like fight it. When we explored her early childhood experiences, they didn't They didn't seem to like point to that being the root of the problem, which is always one of the first places I recommend people look. So then when we kept diving deeper, she discovered that there was this sense actually that someone else was out there for her. And it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a FOMO situation, you know, you know, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out. It wasn't like a situation like that. It was more like this really deep, Uh, reverberation in her soul that someone else was out there like someone very specific not someone else generally like someone very specific so when we got to this feeling it really sparked this intuitive hit in me that this might be connected to a past life and maybe even to a soul agreement so I guided her in a process to connect to 
the location, the place where her soul's contract was to connect to her record keepers who protect and manage her soul's contract and agreement. And we discovered that she was holding on to a lover that she had had many, many past lives with, shared many past lives with, and consistently lost along the way. Their story kind of over and over again was this beautiful story of true love, but also tragedy of continually being separated by conflict, different, different tragedies along the way. And this kind of left her wondering at a sense of like whether she was meant to reconnect with him again in this life. You know, she was kind of wondering that when this, this understanding came up. So we decided to get in touch with his soul And we had a conversation with him. And what happened next was really surprising to her and not what she expected. I think (laughs) I think she really expected him to say, like, yes, wait for me. You know, like we're going to meet up and it was going to be like this resolution of this ache inside of her. But what was interesting is instead he said, it's time to let go. While he still loved her very much, he explained that in this lifetime, he really, truly believed that they were meant to walk separate paths uh, when we kind of explored further where he was, he was on an entirely different continent in the world. And I mean, maybe their paths were going to cross at some point, but you know, possibly unlikely. And that this lifetime, it was for him really about finding other partners and starting a different chapter. And so when his words came through, it rang a truth chord, like very, very deep in her heart that she knew was true. And this led her to start weeping. And this weeping was both a sense of grief, you know, a grief for this person that she kind of loved on a soul level, but had not met in this lifetime, this physical experience, but then also a sense of relief. She finally understood this really deep ache inside of her that was there for so long. So from there, we went through this process to release an agreement she had made with herself to wait and find him again, at least for this lifetime. And as the days went on after this potent session, a beautiful thing happened. Clarity started to come in and this sense of joy that she struggled to receive in her partnership started to blossom. So although it felt kind of like unexplainable, you know, she wasn't expecting that that's the direction where this portion of our work was going to go. She knew that her decision to let go of this agreement had opened the possibility for love in her life and some really, really deep healing. So our soul contracts can play a really, really important part in our deeper understanding of ourselves as well as our own healing path. Now, sometimes people ask me the question, well, like, where, where are these soul contracts? Like, where do they go? What, how come I don't see them? Um, and a lot of teachings attribute soul contracts to something called the Akashic's Records Library. And it's a library filled with uh, all of the records, information, and history of all of life. It's, like, considered to be kind of, like, on the, the realm of the ether, And according to this philosophy, each of us have our own book or our own records that is housed in kind of like a larger library in a sense. And this personal book outlines our soul contracts, our agreements, and beyond. Now, before I learned 
that there was even a thing called the Akashic Records. In many ways, this is how I experienced soul agreements and contracts, both in my own exploration for myself, as well as when it started coming up for work with clients. And it seems to be kind of like a fairly universal way, almost like an archetypal way, you could say, that our guides, energy, consciousness, whatever you want to say is at play, communicates this information to us and enables us to explore it. Now, that being said, when I work with soul contracts, whether it's my own or my clients, I'm less attached to it needing to be like a library looking a certain way and looking at a book and blah, 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 and more focused about like, can we just focus on getting the answers we're seeking and we need right now? Sometimes that information about a client's soul contract comes up when we do a past life regression and healing, and other times it comes up when we do ancestral work, and sometimes it's in like the most unexpected moments where it will pop up when they're talking about something mundane like work. Or again, going back to that example I gave before of this client who was having this relationship dynamic, that's a time where this piece around her soul contract kind of really came up. And I got this intuitive hit that there was something to explore there. What I can say is universal so far, based on my client work, is that we each have records connected to our soul and guides that maintain them. And these guides can um, empower us to navigate these soul contracts. And sometimes these soul contracts feel empowering and sometimes they feel restricting. Would you like to be a part of my inner circle? Get the opportunity to know me a little bit more and for me to get to know you? How about an opportunity to take what you learn on the podcast and translate it even more practically into your everyday life? Well, if any of that sounds good, I would really like for you to hop on over to my website, www.marcymoberg.com and sign up for my newsletter. I send out regular emails to my newsletter, which is really my inner circle. That's the best way to stay in touch with what I'm up to. And I send out newsletter only practices uh, whenever I have a new podcast episode, which is an opportunity to really take that week's theme and that week's episode and translate it into your own life. Super easy. You just head on over to my website and you'll find a pop-up window and a link there to be able to join. I can't wait to get to know you better and for you to join my inner circle. So now you know a little bit about soul contracts and you're probably wondering what are the terms of my soul contract? Like what's in mine? And I first want to say, well, how much time do you have? (laughs) Because honestly, there can be a lot in a single person's soul contract. And I want to suggest a slightly different direction for our questioning and inquiry. And that is what terms in my soul contract or agreement are influencing my life right now? And how do I feel about them? We don't need to know all of the terms of our soul agreements or contracts. Honestly, I think this could be overwhelming to say the least. And I believe different aspects of our 
soul contract and our agreements ripen and they kind of come up for review or revision throughout the course of our lifetime. So perhaps then the most important piece to focus on right now is what aspects of your soul contract or agreement are influencing your current life and do they feel empowering or restricting? And that brings me to a question that a lot of people also ask, which is, can you change your soul contracts? And the, the answer is yes. The good news is that you can sometimes <laughs> change soul contracts and agreements. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen someone try to shift an agreement and it didn't happen. Well, I'm going to tell a couple stories about trying to, to shift uh, agreements and what happens in that. While I do believe there are threads of destiny and fate that do play into our individual and collective lives. There's also personal free will. And since we all have sovereign free will in our lives, there may be some agreements we made with ourselves when we originally incarnated that don't serve us now, you know, because life has this interesting web of a bazillion organisms exercising their free will mixed with fate and destiny and you know sometimes I kind of like to think about it as uh as like a giant math equation I'm not a big math person but like if you think about like each person's personal will plus their destiny and their fate is like this math equation that's like mixing with the other person's math equation that's like mixing with the other person so it becomes like this giant web of like math and adding and subtracting and division and you know it creates like a million possibilities and also affects and influences each other right we're not just kind of it's not like just we have personal free will isolated by ourselves and that's it um and I think sometimes the way that people talk about things like manifesting in the spiritual world kind of operates (laughs) unknowingly under the principle and the idea that we have like exclusive personal free will and life doesn't influence us and vice versa. That's not kind of how it goes, you know? It's kind of complicated. It's much more complicated than that. So this means that life literally can go in a million different directions at any one moment. And while we have perhaps a direction, a target, a focus... Uh, when we come into this life of what we want, what we're seeking to learn, um, life happens. And our path has likely been impacted along the way. So reviewing, revisiting, revision, that's all a natural part of exercising our free will with our soul contracts. And, and I definitely encourage it. The thing is that when and how a change happens to our soul contracts and our agreements, Well, again, it's not really just up to us. I've had clients get clear that they want to change something in their soul contract and their guides tell them, yeah, we hear you and you still need to learn this life lesson that's connected to this agreement or underpinning it. So focus your energy in this direction right now And then let's revisit this again soon at a later date. Or our guides might have a specific request. I've seen this come up many, many times in my client work. Something that looks like, you know, before you can change your soul contract, you need to fulfill this specific request. 
And that specific request is often connected to a life lesson required for, like, that you're required to learn before terms of your contract can be changed. And while this may be frustrating, I find that my clients always end up agreeing with the guidance given to them over time and kind of recognizing, oh, hindsight 2020, they did have more to learn about that lesson before an agreement or contract could be changed. So you can change them, but also there's like these lessons connected to them. An interesting other conversation is that sometimes the conversation with their guides goes something like, are you sure you want to change that? And that's because perhaps changing that could have pretty big ramifications and their guide is like their guide or guides is inviting them to really, really sit with a recognition of how that could impact their life. So one way you can start exploring your soul contract, I think honestly the easiest and quote unquote fastest way to start exploring your soul contract is with support. You can work with a intuitive practitioner like myself one-on-one to guide you through this process. This is like when you do that, it's really powerful because and supportive and empowering because sometimes we just end up like projecting a lot of stuff, our own desires and wishes and wants onto the intuitive information that we're getting back. And so it can be kind of complicated, confusing while navigating alone um, the messages that you're receiving So I think that that having a container with a trusted practitioner that has expertise in this area is really the quickest route to exploring this um, because you have someone who can kind of be there as an objective, curious inquirer in the process and and also skillfully can guide you so that... uh, only projection doesn't happen. There can be kind of a checking and balancing of that. But if you're not kind of like at the place where you're ready to kind of dive really into working with a trusted practitioner, another step you could take right now is to look at a repeating pattern in your life that you are really, really confident does not connect to your childhood experiences in your household or your extended family. In other words, you either didn't experience that pattern and or you didn't see it modeled and or you have no stories of that happening in your family, then that's something to get curious about because these repeating patterns that don't seem to have roots in your childhood or your family, aka your ancestors, might have past life connections or they might be connected to your personal soul contract. So place that you can, a place that you can start is to consider how you feel. How do you feel about this pattern? First, identify if there's a pattern. And then second of all, how do you feel about it? And then based on how you feel about it, you know, does it feel empowering? Does it feel restricting? If it feels like it might be restricting, you might get curious and explore, is this serving an outdated truth? that you once held or believed that now you've outgrown. And that can give you some important clues from these threads of inquiry around whether there might be some aspects of your soul contract or agreement that are currently up for maybe review, revision, or even just 
exploration. Okay, so there you have it, soul contracts. A little dip and dive into it. I hope that you have had fun. If you enjoyed this episode, please screenshot, take a screenshot of you listening to the episode and share it on Instagram. I am at Marcy Moberg. I always love to hear from my listeners. And if you have a topic or a question that you would love for me to cover in the future, you can head on over to marcymoberg.com forward slash podcast. And I'd love to hear from you and we can include that in a future episode. In the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day wherever you are listening to this. I look forward to seeing you in a future episode virtually cuddled up together with tea, um, kind of over important conversations about how to tune in to ourselves and our lives and those around us. And in the meantime, remember that being you takes courage. Thank you so much for tuning in today with me on my podcast, Tune In with Marcy. I hope you loved this episode and it enriches you as much as it has for me to create it. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would be so grateful for you to hop on over to Apple Podcasts, share your rating, and leave a review. Ideally, five stars. That way, more people can find this podcast, which would be wonderful. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And you can always learn more about me and my work at my website, www.marcymoberg.com. That's my first and last name.com. Until next time, remember being you takes courage. Lots of love. Mm-hmm.